Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Props to Crazy with Steph and Michelle. Two friends, two diagnoses, and more crazy than they know what to do with. So sit back and enjoy, and don't forget to like and subscribe. We are back, Props to Crazy with Stephanie and Michelle. You guys have missed us. We know it. We've missed this too, but we're back. Yes, we're back. We wanted to address why it's been so long since our last recording and why there's sometimes gaps in between when we actually publish an episode. Really, you don't want to hear me when I'm (laughs) in my down. (laughs) And because I go through cycles, it's difficult to always be committed to recording at a certain time every week. So Steph and I have picked a time that we can record But if something else happens that sends me into a mood, it's not going to be a good recording. And we've actually tried to do that in the past, just push through recordings, and it didn't work. We hated the recordings. We didn't like what was said. And so we've just learned to trust ourselves a little bit and know that it's not always going to work every week. And so hopefully... Y'all can just bear with us a little bit and understand our reasonings behind it and know that we'll get to it. It's actually pretty detrimental to us, wouldn't you say, Michelle? Like, Right. Sometimes it'll send me into a spiral. It's so true. And I think that the hardest part is being so excited about it, being able to actually get it out and then to hear it is really disappointing and that's why it sends us into that spiral right Mm -hmm. it becomes a trigger so it has been a few weeks since we've been able to record we apologize for that lapse of time and just hope that that gives you guys an understanding of what we go through life yeah (laughs) so I wanted to get an update from you on your medicine and how that's going and that you were going to go and see a therapist. So what does that look like? It's been four or five weeks since I got off that medication. And that's about how long it takes to get it out of your system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I still was feeling the effects for a couple of weeks. But since then, since like the last three weeks, it's actually been so much better. I was able to go back to my regular dose for my sleeping meds and that's been huge because then I haven't felt drugged and groggy in the morning Mm. and throughout Mm -hmm. the whole day. Um, So that's really helped my mental state. Well, and I would say from what I was experiencing with you is not just about the depression, but it would um, send you up and down. Yeah. You know, you couldn't sleep because you were in the mania worrying or whatever, um, And you would just get so excited about things, which is normal, but then the crash would happen. Mm -hmm. Also, I did go into counseling for a few weeks. I had my last session this week and I've done um, two others, I think. So it's just like a quick pick me up, getting back on track thing that I've done over the last six weeks. It's not something I'm really going to do long term, but that's been really helpful. So a question about your therapy really quickly. Um, what form of therapy? Are you just talking back and forth and she's giving, she or he is giving you suggestions or is it the um, DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy? 
Yeah, no, this is just regular um, therapy. If you wanted to do something with DBT, that's long-term commitment. Yeah. Um, really say. getting into things. Whereas this is more like a pick-me-up to just get me through when I have the lows. Do they coach you in a way on ways to act and react at home? Or do they just listen? So this one was really interesting, this lady that I'm going to. Not that there's anything wrong with her. I really do like her and it has been helpful. But she doesn't really respond a whole lot. And I've Mm. been to a few different therapists. Only a couple have been long-term. Some have been like, I just had one or two sessions. This one's just been odd because I'm just talking, 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 which obviously is the point of therapy is to get to the root of the issues. Is she new? No. To you? She is to me. Yes. I've never seen her before. Okay. And so this is just her style. Um, So I'll just go along and I'm talking about stuff and it brings other things up. So like we don't just sit and focus on one subject for the Mm. entire hour. It's more like my, my talking will lead to, Oh, and that reminds me of this, which makes me think of this. So we can start talking about family and then I'm talking about my job and then I'm talking about how, (laughs) how sometimes socks can be a trigger for me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we're just going around and around and around and then talking about medication and how I didn't sleep the night before. So, I mean, it just goes in and out, which is good. It's fine. But then like, I find that she's not really responding or saying anything, anything back. I'll just sit there after I say something and she'll be like, "Mm, (laughs) "Mm, yeah, I can see why that would be really difficult for you. And then there's like this, this opening for me to start talking again. And Mm. it's just not my favorite. Like I said, it's helped, but I did, I did tell Jared, I'm like, I almost feel like it's me talking to you. Mm. I was going to say, how does that make you feel? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's funny because before I even told him that, that's what he said. He's like, so you might as well be talking to me. Part of it too is I just was tired of talking. If you can Mm. believe it. (laughs) There was so much that I was saying that I was just like, okay, now would be a really good time for you to give me some input. Like I'm so used to doing little pieces here and there. And like, even though Michelle and I will sit here and we will have conversations and we can talk for a very long time outside of our recording, just when we're talking in day to day, it's still in portions. It's still about one or two subjects. Whereas with her, I was relaying everything that was triggering me in the last couple of weeks and then how I normally handle stuff and why I'm confused that right now is so difficult. And I even told her that in the last session, we were like 45 minutes in and I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I just feel like I can't shut up. And she just laughed at me. She's like, that's, that, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. I'm like, <laughs> I know, but I feel like I'm talking about the most random things. I'm not staying on topic with one thing. And so that was interesting it was just so different than what I've been doing lately. Cause I feel like Michelle and I's uh, conversations have been very therapeutic and we do get it all out. And then it's like, Oh, I feel better. I can see a resolution or I just needed to say that one thing. Right. The reason I was asking if you were new to her is I experienced that with nurse okay. practitioner. So he helped both ways. And I remember at the very beginning, just sitting there and talking and talking and talking and feeling like, why am I even coming here? And as time went on, he talked to, back to me and I mm-hmm. feel like it was just him trying to get to know me and my behaviors and my actions and reactions. Cause they don't want to trigger you. Mm-hmm. And if they say something that 
they don't know if it could trigger you or not, that could cause a lot of problems, obviously, mm-hmm. in the mental health place. Absolutely. So, well, and then my thinking too, I'm okay with only doing a few sessions instead of doing long-term and getting back into that because I've had years of the counseling and, and like we've talked about being self-aware, usually I know how to kind of guide myself through it, so to speak, but I just had such a major crash mm. where I was just so suicidal and it lasted for days and days. It was affecting everything. I wasn't showering. I wasn't leaving the house. I mean, it was really significantly bad. Mm-hmm to where outside sources were coming to me and they're like, would you consider going into counseling for a little Mm -hmm. bit? I'm like, yeah, yep. I need to. So it could be that there's different expectations too. Cause I'm like, um, I could just talk to my husband about this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And it could be that like, for me, I was addressing surface issues first and then, you know, getting to the bottom of it and I work my way backwards. I identify mm-hmm. like the most severe symptom at the time, the most relevant, and then like dig deeper and being like, okay, but why is that happening? Mm-hmm. Right, we figured that out. Why is the next thing happening? Yeah. That's awesome that you are willing to do that. There is nothing wrong with anybody, whether they struggle with mental health or not going to a therapist for a booster. I feel ready to make other changes. I'm kind of maybe stepping into having a healthier lifestyle and addressing other issues I need to work on, like implementing some exercising and changing my diet. And those have been like really hard, huge things for me. And so I'm really grateful to have gotten this part taken care of so that I can, I feel like I can live on to the next step and hopefully be successful. Let's do it together. Let's be accountability partners with some exercise and eating healthy because the nice thing. So this is actually something we were going to talk about in the mania, but one good way that I'm able to support Steph and Steph is able to support me is that we help each other in that way where we can be accountability partners, but we're not judgmental towards if the other person doesn't do it. Going back to what you were just saying about um, the fact that all of a sudden you're just done talking because you just feel like you've just been talking. A lot of times that's how our episodes will go when we're not feeling well and we'll record something and we're just like, oh, I was just talking. I wasn't even talking about mm, anything. Yes. It wasn't productive. Good. Yes. You know? How is this going to be beneficial to anyone else? Right. If you're not mm-hmm. going to exercise next week, I'm not going to sit here and go, why aren't you exercising? Or yes. you said you were going to, and can't you commit? You know? <laughs> like For us, it's, go ahead. for the two of us, it's so unique because literally every time that either Michelle or myself have been like, hey, I know we are supposed to record today, but I just can't do it. I don't have it in me. Every single time we've been like, mm-hmm. okay, I get it let's try for another day and either we'll set something up or we'll just say, call me tomorrow and let's see what our schedule is like and see how we're feeling. And then we will check in on that day. We're like, Hey, how are you feeling today? Are you okay talking about mm-hmm. this topic? Well, that's exactly, and that makes a huge yes, difference. That's exactly it too, is talking about the topic that could make or break our mood. I think that's one of the most difficult things that when I talk to people about someone they know that has a mental disorder is that they're not working on themselves. And I think that's the key to working 
a successful life as someone who has this disorder is being able to be aware and take care of yourself and know that it's not always going to work, but just kind of push through it. Yeah. I think sometimes it gets to, or I get this sense of when I feel like I'm slipping backwards or not even slipping backwards, but going through the natural process of going through episodes and mood swings, living the disorder, I guess I should say, Mm -hmm. I'm always hard on myself. I'm like, why am I back here? I know better. I know better. You know what? I've got to stop saying that though. It doesn't matter Mm. how much you know. It doesn't matter how much you've been through. The fact of the matter, it's a mental disorder. Yes. So there's always going to be those episodes. There's always going to be the waxing and waning. Seriously. And today's topic, I feel like is a really good one. Um, We wanted to talk about mania. You know, we've kind of talked about what that means. We've kind of defined it. And now we just want to talk about what it actually Mm -hmm. looks like. And I know it's going to be different for each of us. So we can kind of compare situations. Mm -hmm. For me, what it looks like, it just depends on how far into it I get. You know, just like there's different severities of Mm -hmm. depression. You know, there's different levels of mania as well. And usually I just get Mm. pretty hyper. And I, I have so much energy and I feel this need to go out and exercise and jog and be outdoors and get some vigorous activity done. And I know it sounds stupid. I know it sounds silly, but for me, that is not mm. the norm. Um, I don't feel the need to go hiking. I don't feel the need to go jogging every morning. In fact, it's just not something I enjoy at all. And so it catches me off guard when I get like that. And that's when I do my snapping dance <laughs> that we have talked about. And my husband will just laugh at me and be like, what in the heck? What am I supposed to even Mm -hmm. do with you? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I talk really fast. I just can't seem to get the energy out fast enough. So I laugh a lot more and I'm usually much more Mm. easygoing. And that's like my my lower level, Mm -hmm. I guess. I don't have any feelings of depression or suicide. I'm just really fun. And I love that. And that's a huge reason why it's so addictive for people to be in the manic state, be in the mania and not want to um, take their medications regularly Mm. because that's not so much medication that causes the mania. So it's not like, oh, people take their meds and they feel happy and feel high (laughs) all the time. And people think that if you pop a pill when you're struggling, that that's going to happen. That that has nothing to do with it. The medication is keeping the mania from going too high where it's actually damaging, right? And so people want to come off their meds because they're feeling so good. And they're like, I don't need this anymore. And it feels great until the rest of their disorder kicks in and they're not manic anymore. They're in the depressive state. And then, yeah, the higher you get, the harder Mm. you crash. And so when I get severe mania, a little bit worse than that, then I lose sleep Mm -hmm. and I don't feel like working and I'm very distracted from being productive because I'm so focused on whatever is bringing on this good feeling, whether it's a brilliant idea that I have, or I went on vacation and I just want to live it up. And I don't want my responsibilities of the day-to-day stuff and worrying about having to get up and going to work. Mm. You know what I mean? It causes me to want to avoid doing those things. And I'm constantly wanting to chase that high And that's where the danger can come in. Just like Michelle said, you know, the higher you are, the more manic you are, the harder you're going to crash. Michelle and I have come to an agreement or a realization, if you will, that 
we think that after all of these hormones and all of these chemicals that are just racing through your brain and racing through your system, that's causing this major mania. Once that's depleted, then your body is flooded with. And you have nothing. You don't have any chemicals in your brain. And one thing that is super important for people to know and understand is that you do have to separate the mental disorder from the person. And I think that that's how our significant others are able to handle and deal with us is they do that. The best thing that anyone has ever done for me is when I'm in those moments, when I'm really caught up in an episode and I'm struggling, he will just sit and hold me and be like, it's okay. This isn't you. This is your disorder. Awesome. Ah, what? Nobody told love him it. to say that. I didn't have to teach him that. That has just been his natural response to me. And can I just tell you that that has been, like I said, that has helped me more than probably anything else that anyone else has been able to do for me is to just see that, that I'm struggling, but it's really not something that I can control. Mm -hmm. Since I've gotten on medication and have been pretty stable over the last four or so years, my manic phases aren't nearly as out of control and as bad as they used to be. The look of my manic phases, the things I've gone through and, and the way it presents itself has actually changed quite a bit over the years. So I just wanted to state that first. Before when I got on the right kind of medication and before I knew I was borderline personality disorder and knew how crazy I was, I didn't realize my manic phases until after the fact. Like looking back now, I can really pinpoint when I had some moments where I was manic and just really out of control and felt crazy, felt crazy. Yes. (laughs) And like, you look back at it and you're like, holy crap, what was I thinking? Mm. You know? And well, you weren't, you Um, feel shameful. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I've had Mm. conversations with people or I've done certain things in those moments in those phases that aren't really like me, but I couldn't necessarily control it. I mean, I was in a manic state a good month or two before I had my suicide attempt and then was hospitalized. And I look back now at the conversations I had with people, the ways I tried to contact people, just feeling like I was grasping at straws. Like I was really spiraling. I was losing it. And I just pray and like cross my fingers now that those people don't remember conversations (laughs) that were had and don't remember me the way that I was in that time because it was just so erratic. Yeah, I do. Um, And there was a lot of anger. I would rage a lot as well when I was not on medicine and I would cry a lot more than I do now. I would say what I call rage now is not even near what rage looked like back then. Mm -hmm. And same kind of a thing. Like I feel bad for my (laughs) (laughs) ex-husband because when we met, I was not on medicine and um, he went through quite a bit of stuff. What does it look like now that you're on medicine? So it's just much more, I want to say calm. Like the whole attitude itself has shifted. It used to be like just so much anger so much hostility. And now it's more like, 
I just think that I have the best ideas and I get really excited about something. Mm. Um, or if I'm looking forward to some event like a vacation or just recently I had my daughter's birthday party. When I have exciting events going on, I just fantasize like I'm in fantasy land. Yes. And I am just out of touch with reality. Nothing else matters. I can't focus on work. <laughs> I can't sleep. I mean, You're... it's just like all consuming this one idea. And I happen to get it a lot because <laughs> I'm a creative person. Mm. Not that everything turns out great and I'm not amazing, but I get these moments where I think I'm amazing, right? Yeah. And I think of whatever idea is going to like change the world. Yes. Those are um, cognitive distortions. And we're going to talk about that in another episode about different things that the BPD person does, such as black and white thinking versus something that the bipolar does. Um, you know, there's lots of different characteristics and we'll get into that in a future episode. I was thinking to myself, it's difficult to remember exactly what it was like. Although I remember that kind of like the reactions of other people. Yeah. And how they didn't appreciate what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. There's only a couple times I really that really stand out in my mind where I remember these manic episodes that were just just out of control. Like I said, looking back, these were true mania states that I don't even think I've had since. Mm. I mean, the mania I have now is not as extreme. It's a lower level mania. And like I said, it's more positive, even though it's still like really takes a lot out of me when I'm going through these states, you know, and mm -hmm. I never know how long it's going to last. I mean, sometimes it's maybe a couple days and sometimes it's weeks, you know, it's exhausting. Do you ever feel like, cause we've talked about it a little bit before that you do your ups and downs throughout the day and you'll get triggered. Do you ever feel like, that's something that you struggle with more or do you feel like you're you experience it long term like you were just saying like a week at a time I think more my struggle right now is that I feel so extreme throughout the day from one mm. way to the next you know just doing that volley back and forth mm -hmm. that is super difficult because I never know what's going to set me off and then I never know it's going to bring me back down. Yes. It's pretty manageable when it's the low level, you know, even yes. if it is bouncing up and down, back and forth, it doesn't get too out of control. Right. When you get really out there is taxing on me, yeah. you know, I'll be in that heightened state for a couple of days. And then when I come out of it, you know, those chemicals are depleted. And so then there's the other side of things where you just crash and burn. Like there's no in-between hormones or chemicals that come in to help you slowly come back down to earth. Now there's a surge of those negative emotions. Well, and then it's like, there's not a happy pill. You can't just pop a Tums for depression. <laughs> they haven't <laughs> discovered that. My mania kind of looks like worry and anger and fear and excitement, similar to yours, 
with the excitement of I get excited about a certain project, but then I start worrying about it. And Mm. so then I wonder if this is going to be good or if I should have done something differently. And then if it's still going good, I stay in the mania. But if something happens to make it in any way, in my mind, bad, I will spiral down into the depression. And it feels like you were saying, because you're so high and you're so fragile and because you fall so hard and so fast, it's so difficult. And if you're not on a treatment plan, whether that's medicine or anything else, it can be really hard to come back up from that. And a lot of people will have chronic depression because of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I find it frustrating that when I'm in my mania, like when it's the good mania that I was talking about, there is a huge part of me that is just like, why can't I feel this way all the time? Right. Why can't I always be excited and on high alert and just feeling like I'm a million bucks? What's wrong with feeling that way? What's wrong with feeling like you're a fantastic person and everybody should love you and be your best friend? Right. I think the confusing part for people is just like we were talking about with the excitement and hyper and snappy dance and good things going on. (laughs) It's still your mania, but it doesn't look like your mania. And we were talking about the difference between mania and hypomania And that's probably a good way to distinguish between the high mania versus a low mania, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There are certain characteristics that uh, happen when you're in hypomania versus full-blown mania. And uh, do you want to talk a little bit about those? So when I'm in the hypomania and I'm not like super out there, I tend to laugh a lot more. You know, I'm very easygoing and I don't have any feelings of depression or suicide. I feel like I'm just fun. So I'm not in this state where I'm not sleeping or like I can't focus, but I just have this sense of high. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But it's not like grandiose and like, oh, I'm this really important person because I've had those moments too. Mm -hmm. But for the hypomania, it's a, it's a lower vibration and it is there feels like there's more control in Mm. it and Mm -hmm. you're not just like fueled by all this chemicals. It's just taking over and you, you are like in the backseat of your own life, like not Mm. really in control, but seeing everything that's going on. Yeah. So that's more where, like you're saying, you can experience the hyper. I will experience my worry and my fear in that stage Mm. where in the mania, there are certain things that happen. There's impulsive, self-destructive behaviors, self-harm. There's the emotional extreme mood swings. Then there's explosive anger, feeling suspicious or out of touch with reality. You can also have unstable relationships. The part for me when it starts to turn bad from my mania to a depressive state is when I start having fear of abandonment. I start doing the self-harm, having destructive behaviors. And so 
that's when it will lead me into a depression because then I feel shameful or bad or Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the exact word to put on it. It's hurting the people around you that you love. Well, and the embarrassment thing is huge. Yeah, because yeah. then you start criticizing and you feel stupid, you feel guilty. I mean, so mm-hmm. it just snowballs, you know, and then it leads to a desire or a fear of ever telling people again. Um, and that's just another reason why people don't talk about their stuff or don't acknowledge that there's a problem. Who wants who wants to admit that they're just like moments when they're just freaking out, flying off the handle. People look at them. They don't want to yes. approach them. Nobody wants to say, yep, I'm that person, <laughs> you know? And a lot of mine, a lot of my changes and the reason why my mania is so low key now, I still get the mania that's irritable. I will just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and everything pisses me off that day. My husband can't talk to me. He can't look at me. Nobody can do anything right. Brooke will have a sassy tone with me and she's just turned eight (laughs) and everything in me is like, why don't you know better? You know, like you just can't approach me. I'm like a bear. But before I had the right meds you know, four and a half years ago before being hospitalized, being in my mania all the time, I look at how I was with roommates and with friends or people I didn't like or coworkers. And I, I truly, I am embarrassed. And there are conversations that have been had that I'm like crossing my fingers and praying that this person does not remember these conversations. So it's hard to open up and talk about it. And so I don't know the best advice to give people. There's a mania that I've gone into And I still get into it, but with thankfully the medication I take, it does help. I had a kind of mania where I was like angry all the time. And I mean like raging anger, like you were talking about before. Mm -hmm. And I would get to the point where I was so just like wound up and like ready to blow at any moment that I would like snap and lash out at people And, like, want them to hurt as much as I was hurting. Mm, Like, I couldn't even have a conversation with the person. And the person being probably, well, all the time, was my significant other. Yeah. You know, the people that are closest to you. Or, like, my mom when I was living with her again. My son actually calls me the Hulk mom when I get to that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And... It really is when I am not, and that's one thing I've just noticed is when I'm not taking my medication, I absolutely go into that rage. And it's so true what you were saying about it being easier for you to do it on someone like your significant other or a family member that's close to you because they're things, they frustrate you Mm -hmm. and you see it easier and and they're know, in I your think, immediate proximity, too. Well, and I think there's also this idea that they'll still love you after, even though it's detrimental to them. Mm, it's true. It's so sad. Yeah. I still get that way where I, I don't do it like I used to as far as, like, I have recognized that in myself. It's taken a long time, but I do recognize that I get into that place where I say very hurtful things because I am so agitated I try so hard now not to do that. I've gotten a lot better, but I mm. still have that happen all the time where I just have days where I'm just pissed off before anything even happened. And I anticipate things happening that will make me mad. So like I'm upset before I have a reason to be upset. Does that sound right. familiar at all? Are yes. you like that at all? <laughs> I hate it. Yes. I create 
scenarios in my head that aren't there. One time I had someone (laughs) say that it was what if thinking I would do, but what if this and what if that? Mm -hmm. And then I create a scenario in my head that hasn't even happened. And then I catastrophize. Mm -hmm. Terrible. It is terrible. I feel like that's why I get really short with my kids, my stepkids included. I get really stressed sometimes and really overwhelmed when we're going to have them for a weekend if I don't feel prepared or I'm not in a good mental space. Mm. Part of it being because our place is not big. You know, we have three kids in a two-bedroom apartment. Mm. And all weekend, I'll kind of be on edge because we've talked about this before where things aren't as organized. They're a little more chaotic. And I snap Mm. so much. And it's this perpetual state that I was just telling you about where like, I can see things happening that will make me mad before they even happen. Yes. It's like I'm projecting it out there. Like I'm actually causing these things to happen by thinking about it. It's so funny because I've been reading and listening to a podcast and just researching about that, about what do they call it? Manifesting or uh, what do they call it? Law of attraction. So what you put out there, then you get back. Yes. That's what I was getting at. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I feel like a horrible stepmom and a horrible person and a horrible mother, just horrible human being. I'm like, these kids are six, eight, and nine. What is my problem? And you're like, why did I do that to project that out there? And why couldn't I just like not? And in the grand (laughs) scheme of things, like- in the big picture, what did it really matter anyway? Mm-hmm. Whatever. I agree. So is there something that you can think of that would be good for someone else to do if you are in your mania, but it's like the negative part of the mania? So there's the exciting, awesome, grandiose part, but then there's the worry or anger or frustration is the dark there... side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So when I'm, my, when I'm in my dark mania, we'll call it that, Jared, again, is really good at noticing this. Even though he doesn't understand it, he picks up on it really well, and he knows if I need to isolate. And he'll tell me, he's like, if you need to be back in the bedroom, away from the rest of us, and have some time back there, he's like, do it. He's like, if you need to leave the house, you need to get out and go somewhere, he's like, just go. Just do it. And Does for he have- me... Does he ever send you on a timeout? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yep. He'll, he'll hint at little things like you seem really upset right now, or you seem really tense or, you know, whatever he'll, he'll tune into those things. And I'm like, yeah. And I'll tell him because I appreciate that he notices that. And I'll be like, yeah, I need to go somewhere. I need to go for a drive right now. And that's something that I've always done in the past as well. Isolating has always been huge for me because I know I'm going to hurt people and I just don't want to. So I just take myself away. I just take myself out of the equation altogether. Right. That's awesome. It's awesome that you have a person now in your life that can do that for you because we have both been single moms and that is really hard to be able to isolate yourself when you're the only person in the home. Yeah. And your kids are too little for you to leave. Absolutely. (laughs) And if they're the person that I'm raging at, I don't want to take them with me when I'm trying to isolate. (laughs) So honestly, he's been a lifesaver. I tell people all the time. I'm like, everybody needs a Jared. 
<laughs> he just gets it. And I think another way he supports you and one way that my significant other supports me is in just listening and allowing and accepting. And so they're not there to fix my problem or solve my problem. But if I need to vent, I can go to that person without them taking it personally or judging me. Yes. It's interesting because I feel like I have felt what it's like to be on the outside, although not to the extent of being the significant other, but I do have people in my family who have been diagnosed and I've watched them go through things where they're in their mania or their depression. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) whoa, 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 what's going on here? (laughs) And so I can understand how people can almost want to avoid someone or want to just back away or want to get upset with someone and even like lash back at them for the things that they're saying. But the most helpful thing I've found is to just let it be when that person's doing that and support them after when they're in that shameful space. Don't make them feel bad for it. And that goes back to taking the disorder and separating it from the person. Yes. Which I'm amazed that people are actually able to do that. Yeah, (laughs) we can put that article out there and we can talk about it. But we're on the other side where we're the crazy person. I can't imagine what it would be like being the other person that's like, okay, I love you. You're my wife. But you need to just calm the F down right now. (laughs) You know, I don't know if I could do that. As the significant other or the person dealing with someone struggling with mental health, if you need to take a step away, set up that boundary and let them know that you'll be there for them, that really you're there to support them, but you need some space or some time to Mm -hmm. collect yourself. I mean, have a conversation at another time. Like, you know, when I'm in that mood, no matter what Jared's trying to talk to me about, whether it's about my mood or about him trying like he'll try to take my mind off of it by talking about other stuff and it just it just doesn't work and make sure that they have enough in their own cup okay we're gonna use that analogy so that they can still take care of you when the time is needed but they need to make sure they take care of themselves Mm -hmm. first otherwise you're just gonna burn out that relationship so fast if that other person is constantly giving 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 they need something for themselves as well well and that's healthy And allowing his cup to be full as well. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to drag him down with me and hurt him more because I know I will without actually trying to. Yes. I love that you say that because that's something that people need to be aware about as well. If you are struggling with your mental health, allow the other person to walk away and take care of themselves instead of being mad. And I used to get mad at my ex-husband for that I'd be like don't walk away from me yeah (laughs) or I would do the we can't go to bed angry at each other (laughs) and that's just a load of crap you need to take time to sleep it off and in the morning if it's still that big of a deal after you've rested and after you've eaten then discuss it rationally Mm -hmm. but I would get so crazy late at night because I was tired and I'd want to solve all of our problems late at night. It was just ridiculous. 
solve three years of problems in your marriage in like <laughs> two hours before you go to bed. Good luck. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ridiculous. So true. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? You know what? I don't think so. That was it. But to wrap it up, I would just say be aware of your mania and try your hardest not to go so high into the high that you completely crash. Try Mm -hmm. to keep it in the mid range. That's what my medicine helps me with is it helps me keep more in the mid range. And I've been so proud of myself in the times that I have kept a level head in my worry so that I don't catastrophize and head down into, you know, terrible thinking. Like bottom of the barrel. Exactly. And also I think it's important for you to apologize and you know you don't even especially have to apologize but when you look back at what happened in the mania think about things that maybe you did that were um, wrong or something that you might be ashamed of and take accountability for that and let your partner know like I get that that wasn't okay and I'm sorry that that happened that was my disorder yeah there's nothing wrong with saying that and that i found has really been helpful for them. It softens them going, Mm -hmm. okay, it was her disorder. I can deal with this. And then we can have the discussion. So there you go. Good times. Mania, man. We'll see you next time. Bye. We will see you next time or talk to you or you can listen to us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Props to Crazy. If you have any questions or comments, or you want a specific topic discussed, please send an email to props to Michelle at gmail.com or props to Steph at gmail.com. That's two like the number. Please like and share this episode to help us stop the stigma and start the conversation.